0: are listening to Real Movies, a podcast about documentaries. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's
1: everybody out there?
0: Today on the Real Movies podcast, you're listening to episode 14, and we're going to today we're going to be talking about the documentary Beer Wars. America's beverage is beer. Oh, this is good, dude. This is good. Our yeast is very happy. When yeast is unhappy, watch out. It smells weedy. There'll be the raisins talking to you. Everything in America that's important is around beer.
1: They're all it's fighting to get a bigger a beer piece beer. of a pie that's not growing.
0: So the beer industry is committed to go into the marketplace, to battle for the souls of the retailers and the customers. For the big guys, it's the battle of the dinosaurs with fewer and fewer dinosaurs slugging it out. For the smaller breweries, they're offering something to the consumer who wants something much more tasty. There needs to be lunatics like me that still have that same passion. We make angry beer. Most Americans have never actually had real beer. Angry beer makes for happy people. There's no comparison between a beer brewed with cheap adjuncts and one that's brewed with all barley. Almost all our beer knowledge comes from Budweiser, Miller, and Coors. It's as if all we knew about food we learned from McDonald's.
1: Uh, I thought Beer Wars was kind of fascinating. Um, I, I've always had a fascination with the kind of David versus Goliath story. Um, this is definitely the, that. Yeah, the little man versus the big man kind of thing. And this is a wonderful movie that kind of gives you insight into the beer industry. And if you're not a fan of beer, if you don't like beer, if you are under the age of 21, then this podcast is going to... N- not be that interesting to you.
0: I don't know if that's but, true though, because okay. because
1: really, I I, th- I think and, and we'll, we'll get into this
0: in a second. But I th- this movie reaches into a larger issue. Like at face value, it's about beer, but if you peel back the layers, it's about something that really is a part of every industry, and, right? And we, but and we okay. will get into that. So go ahead.
1: Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean it's it's about it's about how do you start up a company? How do you make it? How do you get? How do you get? a small, unknown product to the market. And um, this is a really, really, I think, cool documentary for those people who do like beer because you get to see, you know, is what you drink the product of this multinational corporation? Um, Is what you drink a superior product or an inferior product? Is... Um, are you just drinking something because you saw it on TV and you saw it in a funny commercial that made you laugh, that had animals and some dude getting kicked in the junk? Like, what is it that, what is it that draws you to the beers that you drink? And, um, it, it's run by, or the, it's directed, excuse me, by, um, Annette Barron. And she used to work for Mike's Hard Lemonade and she knows the ins and outs of the beer world. And so she kind of takes you through some of these craft breweries or some of these um, smaller micro brews and their struggle to get their product out to the people. So what um, when you watched this movie, um, what was the thing that, I guess, struck you first? Like, what what kind of drew you into this movie first? I, well, that's that's an interesting question
0: because a lot of things drew me into this movie and really, at, initially, I did not expect to enjoy this movie as much as I did because at, at face value, I thought, I'm about to watch an hour and a half long movie about beer, you know? And, yeah. And that's just, and, and I'm, I'm interested in in the craft of, like, things like beer making and wine making and just the, the, the things that, that go into all that but I wondered, I, I was really curious Am- am I going to just tune right out on this? And the most interesting thing to me about this documentary is that it hooked me really, really early. Because yeah. what it did, and uh, Annette Barron does a really good job, and, and it she, she tries really hard to make it fun and interesting. I, yeah. I, like, like, almost too hard. Like, like, there's the cartoon of her, like, narrating. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I'm cartoon Annette Barron, and I'm going to walk you through the story of beer. And so it's... It, and I it's, will say,
1: though, that the, the cartoonist, did a good job in not putting near as much makeup on the cartoon version as her real self. (laughs) Oh, And and that's that's true. And you know what? The cartoon
0: stuff, I mean, I'll make fun of it because it's a little bit hokey, but it worked. And and it, it did a good job of setting up the documentary. And so really the thing that grabbed me was I was interested right out of the gate, just in the whole concept. Because again, like we said a second ago, it it became very clear very early that this is not simply a movie about beer. This is a movie about the difference between big box, large corporation, and small. Like basically, it's it's a difference between big business and small business. Yes. And and so and I'm somebody. I grew up in a small town. I um my my fa- my family owns a small business. My uh, wife's family owns a small business. And so I'm very interested in this in this dynamic, specifically because, and and really, there's another documentary. That uh, of of the few documentaries that I've seen, there's one called um, Walmart: The High Cost of Low Prices. Right, and I've seen that one. And this kind of reminded me of that documentary in that it shows you what a large corporation, what what kind of damage a large corporation can do, not only to small corporations but to communities that surround yes. small corporations. And so, to to me, the thing that grabbed me is it really it really makes you root for. The guy who's trying to start something new in his garage, and that's—I'm—I'm I'm always compelled by that story. I, I love an underdog story, yeah. And so that this became that so quickly—that—that that grabbed me
1: right out of the gate. What about you? I—I um, I think I agree. I thought, well, I'm—I'm I'm fascinated with beer in general, and I'm fascinated with the learning about new kinds and and seeing what else is out there. And quite frankly, I, I'm not—I don't hit up the bar scene. But, um, so I'm left to go to the grocery store or go to the, you know, convenience store or even a liquor store to kind of find new beers. And this gave me some insight into some of the other ones that are out there. And it made me really start to search for on my own and say, look, take control of, you know, your own drinks, and really kind of get into, um, like, what do you like and what do you not like and what is good and what is not good. And so I think that it it empowered me to kind of not become a beer snob, but to really say, you know, get out there and go, don't, don't just try something because it's what is being pushed or it's what's on sale. Try something that you think might be a better taste.
0: Yeah. And, so. and and it's so interesting. I, and, and, and it's true. And they, they talk about just the difference between the mass production of, say, an Anheuser-Busch and the, the very intricate, careful time spent on, like, a dogfish head. Yes. Which, and and really, the guy, and I can't remember his name, but the guy who owns Dogfish Head Beer. Sam. Sam. He lives in Delaware. And th- that guy, to me, that guy became sort of the the hero of this film. I mean, not not necessarily the hero of like he's conquering something huge, but just that he's he's succeeding where he should be failing. Right. You know, he's he's he has created this small niche brand of beer. It's more expensive than all of his competition, and he is. I mean, he's not he he's not killing it. He, he's not he's not just just like steamrolling Budweiser. But but he has he has an audience, and he ha- there because people people respect the quality over the cheap, which right. last week we talked about food ink and, and the difference between cheap and good yes and and really this this movie takes it because food ink talked about it from a health concern, but this talks about it just from a a quality concern yeah. like, like health wise it's probably not that different for you to drink a bud light or a dogfish head, but if you care about quality. Then dogfish head has to be the choice, right? You know, and so I like that it takes basically the same questions, but it says, and it's not it, because it's not just about the science of it. There's an art
1: also, and so there, there really is. And um, it also highlighted the uh, the guy that uh, founded Sam Adams. Yes, and really, until I saw this movie, I didn't realize that Sam Adams was such a small production.
0: Yeah, you, you could
1: argue that Sam Adams is the most successful micro-brew in the country. Right. but in, And actually, I read an article that said that they have kind of... They've gotten past the barrier of being what's considered a craft brew. Because they've sold more than 2 million cases, I think. Well, they're huge. Yeah. yeah. Right. So they sell more than 2 million cases a year. So they're no longer in the craft brew category. And... But... They did start out that way. And, you know, for my money, I will say that I don't think, as far as seasonal beers go, I don't think there is a better beer out there than Sam Adams Winter Ale. Like, I think it's phenomenal. And so I do like it. But it is kind of funny to see. I mean, I think this guy does champion those people, but he's now he, he's now moved into the category with the big boys, Yeah, right? So there's a little bit of... There's a little bit of oh, I want to play the craft beer guy, even though I'm now... I'm now as big as some of as some of the smaller... You know, he, he's probably, like, the fifth or sixth biggest brewer in, in the U.S. He's, he's right? the littlest giant. Yes, he's the littlest giant now. And, um... And, granted, I mean, he's not... You know, he does... He does encourage people to do, you know, their craft beer and encourages people to do better beers. Um... But, yeah, I think that he's got to be careful because the people that he really like got to buy his product because of the people that he got to buy his product because of what he was can now be the same people that turn on him because he is what they, he's become what they didn't want him to be. He, he's the equivalent of a band that you really liked
0: in high school, and they get big and they get signed to a label, and now all of a sudden they're a sellout.
1: Yes. But yes. it's,
0: because it's the same product, it's the same guy owning it. But now, all of a sudden, because he's a big, you know, yeah, he, he's he's a massive corporation. Now, all of a sudden, he's the enemy.
1: Yes, and and you know, I do have some issue with that that mindset of if it's a good thing, then it's a good thing. Whether you whether it's whoever whoever makes it, I don't know. I I really do like um I like the the different spin that they put on it, but. Yeah, I mean, I see Sam Adams commercials all the time. Mm-hmm. I can go into any convenience store, I can go into any, um, I can go into any grocery store and pick up a six pack of Sam Adams. Sure. So and, and you've
0: never seen. Uh, by comparison, right. you, you've never seen a commercial uh, for like Rawr and Sons. No, yeah, or, or Dogfish Head. Right, and Rar and Sons. I kept thinking maybe they'll mention Rawr and Sons here because it's such a. But, but I mean, obviously, they can't yeah. go around the country. And yeah, they every didn't microphone. get to any.
1: They didn't get to any of the Texas stuff. Which, or Shiner. Like, yeah, I, I was actually thinking Shiner would be the biggest possibility because Shiner probably sells probably pretty close to Sam Adams. Shiner's is a
0: very successful microbrew. Yeah, but I, I, I do. I, it is regional. Like Sam Adams, I think yeah, is everywhere. But I think true. I don't think you can get Shiner anywhere north of, you know, like the Mason Dixon line or something. Yeah, either.
1: I don't. I, I don't know. Um, but it's a. I mean, I think that that they open your eyes to some of the some of the back, you know. The back rooms that deals get made and how the, the the ugly side of the beer world works. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fascinating to know that, you know, there has to be a middleman between the the people that make it and the people that buy it. But yeah, and, there's like three different trucks that you have to get your, your beer sold from. And basically. I think it's super shady that the, the big three, which are now actually the big two, um... Beer companies in the U.S. own all of those trucks. Yeah. And so, you know, there's. it's really hard to get in, especially when Anheuser-Busch won't put anything but Anheuser-Busch on their trucks. It's, like, hard, I'm not it's exactly hard not sure. to call that a monopoly. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that's not, uh, like, violating trust laws or violating monopoly. Like, that is really shady. People are fed up with corporate America jamming what they want down the consumer's throat.
0: They have weapons and we have weapons and ours might seem like slingshots and theirs seem like giant missiles. It's really hand-to-hand combat. Ours is ground warfare, one consumer at a time. It is a jungle in the supermarket. They're going to go after every single niche, every single opportunity they can find. They want a piece of everything. It's a challenge for the beer drinker, access to the beers that they like.
1: That's what beer wars are all about. I mean it may be interested to to go and find out all the stuff that Anheuser busch owns. Um, and I did they, the same thing. I did that same Google search. Go they ahead. own a lot. They own a ton of stuff. and when I go after I saw this because this is I, I, I watched this um, probably about a year ago or a year and a half ago and then I watched it again for the podcast. but the first time that I watched it, it really made me start looking at the shelves on the um, at the grocery store differently, and I see the big grouping of Coors, the big grouping of Miller, the big grouping of of Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, and then there's all the other. And so I don't even go to the area anymore. <laughs> Like, I know where I'm going to go and where I'm going to be, and I'm just in that small area of micro-brews because of this film, because I thought, well, I don't want to support the the Giants. You know, I don't want to support them. However, I found that they also have a few of those micro-brews placed in there, like the Anheuser-Busch and and Miller and Coors have some of those kind of placed in. They're like, hey, we're not... We're not one of the giants. Like We're faux just, yeah. Imp- I'm just a microbrew too. By me, right? <laughs> and and they're little imposters. However, I mean, I say all of this. What it really comes down to, if the beer is good, drink it. Yeah. Like I don't care if, if Coors or if if Miller or if Budweiser makes a beer that is that is actually good, and you're not just drinking it for the sake of You know, drinking something, then, you know, why not pick up a Blue Moon? Why not pick up um, a Shock Top? Why not pick up... Yeah, Corona, something like that. I'm kind of torn because it's not as though that Budweiser and Miller and Coors don't have talented people who do care about their beer. That's the one thing about this film that I kind of... I'll, I'll say that a little bit more in my negatives, but... It's not like these people hire, you know, people to, to make beer for them that are like, I don't care about beer, I don't like beer, I just want to put a product out there for people to drink, right? Yeah, like they, it's, it's not like Mr. Burns up in, up in his <laughs>
0: mansion, like, oh, we're going to make terrible beer and people are going to drink it, ha 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 ha. Exactly. <laughs> like,
1: they've hired people who are also passionate about beer
0: like although the interesting scene where they go to Anheuser-Busch and they have the guy like tasting it in his office yes. that seemed just like straight out of a scene from the Simpsons because it's like mm, yes refreshing I am the luckiest man alive I can drink beer all day ha <laughs> ha that was a joke I made just then yeah.
1: yeah it did seem it did seem very contrived yes um but yes they have a lot of corporate people that work for them um one of the scenes that gets cut out that you can actually go see on the the Beer Wars website is them talking about Blue Moon and the guy that blew, brewed blue, blue Moon. He got his PhD over in Belgium in like brewing, and so it's not as though he hasn't spent time thinking about it and crafting and like he's it's not as though he's not passionate about it. He also he also brews this. Blue Moon in a way that he uses oats and he's like not many people do that and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of different kind of care to brew with oats than it does to brew with um, you know wheat and hop and and these other things um, so you know this guy clearly cares about what he does and he has made a product now they have realized that Coors has realized that if they slap Blue Moon brought to you by Coors, that people are gonna be like, Oh, that's crap. So they don't <laughs> really they don't really put it out there, they don't really advertise it. They let it be kind of a brand on its own, but they own it, they distribute it, they make it I find that it's a good beer. That's so fascinating too, because Blue Moon looks more like a
0: microbrew than Sam Adams does, and yes. yet, Sam Adams is more of a microbrew. I mean, you see, yes, the, the label
1: to, the label means nothing. No, quite frankly, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh no, I
1: mean, I I just think we have to be careful. I do root for the little guy, and I think the little guy is, you know. And in this story, you know, I fully support the people that do Dogfish Head, and I fully support Sam Adams's of the world and, and the Yinglings of the world. But... Um, Yingling, I forgot about that yeah, one, yeah. But there is a difference, right? Like, you talked about, you made the comparison to the music industry, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some phenomenal indie bands out there, but that doesn't mean that every band that's an independent is good. Right? Right, there's, true. There's some total crap out there, too. Well, and also, that doesn't so, mean that every massive band is bad. Exactly. So, like, you kind of have to find this fine line of, okay, I know that this is a David vs. Goliath story, this is an underdog story, but let's, let's kind of pull it back to perspective on, you know, not every little guy is awesome and not every big guy is evil. Even though, you know they do a really good job of painting Anheuser-Busch as evil.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and, yeah, especially when they start talking about how they start, like, buying up and steamrolling all yeah. these like, like microbrews. And, well, and specifically, yeah. one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when, um... Uh, Annette, how do you
1: pronounce her name? I think it's Annette.
0: Annette, cause, okay. I don't know. When the director yes. goes to this little town in, in Central California, and she's like, <laughs> "Where is this brewery that I keep hearing so much about?" And they're like, "Well, that sounds like a microbrew, but Anheuser Busch is just right over the <laughs> yeah. hill." And there's so, no microbrew in town, but
1: we have Anheuser Busch here. <laughs> yeah,
0: because because I guess there's some. I can't remember the name of it, but like. Um, they basically have have created this micro brew looking thing like this tiny little brewery that exists in Central California and she goes to I mean obviously she knows what she's doing which right she, she's not gonna she's not genuinely surprised right she's doing a gimmick but um, but the fact that they've they've created this illusion of we have this micro brew here in this and they, the the beer label names the town and nobody in the town has ever heard of this right. beer <laughs> and I, th- I thought that was that's an interesting. Thing. Uh, but that that was a really good scene that kind of shows you how t- how far the the bigger industries are willing to go to create the illusion of the microbrew because just like and again I keep making food ink comparisons but I think that's probably why we put yeah, these movies together absolutely. that's the same reason why Walmart started looking at organic farm products to sell in their stores because there is a certain niche demographic that would will never ever. Buy the big, you know, the big label beer, but they will go. They will go looking for the microbrew, and so these bigger corporations are like, well, then we will simulate a microbrew. Yeah, and and so because again, because they know that there's a
1: market for that,
0: and and I'm glad that there's a market for that because I am somebody who enjoys supporting the little guy, and yeah. so. But I'm, I'm I'm kind of rambling.
1: No, day. I mean, and and I do think that the big guys have the right to play in that field. Sure, right. You have the right to make your beer and you have the right to um, say, is this a superior product? But if it's not, then people are not going to buy it, right? I mean, if this little, what's supposed to be like mock micro brew is produced by Anheuser-Busch, but people keep passing it up for stuff that they know tastes better, then, then Anheuser-Busch is not going to get that. That money from those people. So, uh, I mean, there are a few things at work here. I mean, I the first time I saw the the movie, I was gangbusters. Oh man, the the little guy is you know getting screwed here. You know, damn the man. Down with the big three, who have now become the big two. Um, you know, screw these guys. I'm only buying micro beers from now on. But i think i've pulled back a little bit on some of that Mm -hmm. and said because like i i like sandwiches and and burgers and i think sandwiches and burgers are phenomenal but and the best sandwich i've ever had is an elk and foie gras slider from tim love he's a celebrity chef in fort worth um At the Lonesome Dove. It is $7 per slider. There was more crafting, better quality. There was was more thought put into that sandwich than put into the sandwich at Subway or Witch Witch or any other easy, fast food place. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to pick a daily sandwich, if I'm going to pick... I can't go... I can't drive down to downtown Fort Worth every day and pay $21 for these sandwiches. You cannot eliminate economics from the the table. Well and, and on that
0: note also, we live in an area where there there is a, a Budweiser brewery and a lot of people in our community are employed by Budweiser. Yes. And so the big corporations, as evil as they are, they provide a lot of jobs. They do. And yeah. so there so there's that element which is not talked about in the documentary. No. I mean if there were if there were no like if Budweiser went out of business, which I don't think anybody's worried about happening, then a lot of people around here—it's like American Airlines. A lot of people right. around here would would be unemployed. Yeah. And so, and so we need corporations that are kind of big like that because we need jobs.
1: I think that this is this is a fascinating documentary. It opens your eyes to quite a few different things going on in the beer world. If you like beer, it exposes like multiple beers to people and it gets them. To kind of get off their butt and go find something that they like and something that's local. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that there's some in our area in the DFW area. There's several um, breweries and there's several um, just little smaller micro brews and um, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to um, to see those getting into places and see those around and I mean they're little. Um, like Raw and Sons is around here, and there's a there's one over in McKinney called Franconia. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at a place in Denton the other day that had Franconia on tap, and it was my first time to try it. It was phenomenal. It was excellent. So, um, you know, just find what is local and and do support your local breweries. But that doesn't mean that you know it's not practical for everybody in the world that wants a beer to just give up. Drinking one of the big, the big two. I,
0: I don't. I, I don't think anybody's worried about that. I, th- I think for as long as there are college campuses, yes, that's outside, true. I mean, I,
1: I, I think cheaper built beer
0: will always prevail for people who are just are needing a lot of beer in a little bit of time. Yes, <laughs> uh, and, and so and your 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 frat houses they will they will always champion the bigger businesses. That's true. So on on that note, let's do positives and negatives.
1: All right. Uh, my my positive is. I got to see what it. I mean, I really thought that it was fascinating to see how how hard it is to get a beer into into the, the the grocery store, into the convenience store, and and to really kind of empathize with these smaller brewers and to empathize with what they have to go through and the hoops that they have to jump just to just to get their product to the people. It's not as easy as I have a product. I'm going to put up a website and sell it. Um, it's not as easy as I'm just going to open a store and, and sell it. Um, it, it really does take a lot of legal hoops that you have to jump through that have been set up by the big guys. And so that makes me respect these guys passion for not letting it, you know, not letting it die. So I, I I really thought that was kind of an interesting story.
0: Yeah. My, I'm a big fan of local businesses and to me to me that was that was the great thing about this documentary is that it, it highlights the, the the fact that local the idea of local business is not dead and so I, and I think this is even coming back in a big way and and the reason I, I think I'm right is because Anheuser-Busch it shows is trying to, to simulate or trying to create the illusion of of, of the local business and, we, we, and again, yeah. we already talked about that scene but uh, but I, I've always been a big fan of that. I, I given the choice between a, a major coffee brand and a local coffee brand, I'm always going to pick local. I I try really hard to eat in locally owned restaurants, and not, I'm, I don't do this exclusively. And so I'm not I'm not saying I only eat local and I only buy local. But given the choice, I, I will always choose local if I if I have that option because I I just I like that. I like the idea of of being able to eat. I, I like the idea of being able to consume something that that someone near me has put a lot of time and energy, and like you said, a lot of love into. Yeah. And so, and so that 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 makes me compelled towards the local business. And I love that this documentary says we can champion local businesses. They're not always going to succeed. Like they showed, um, Moonshot is not yeah. doing that well. And there was also like they showed how Rolling Rock eventually was bought up. And so, um, and so. Every local business isn't a success. And like you said, every local business doesn't deserve to be a success. It's true. But but given the choice for, between a good local option and a good massive option, I'm always going to go local. And And I appreciate that this documentary said that's that's still a good choice and that's still an option. And I think the farther we get down the road, I, I feel like the more that's going to be a choice. Yeah. I, I feel like both Food, Inc. and this documentary highlight... That, that this is going to be something that comes back organic, fair trade, local. All these things are going to become more and more important.
1: Last night, I was I was kind of reviewing this, uh, just reviewing some highlights of this. And um, I tried to convince my wife to uh, go with me to Denver in October to the uh, Great American Beer Festival. But um, <laughs> she said, keep dreaming uh, that, <laughs> that we're not going to be doing that. That's funny. So. Uh, but uh, the negatives, I there was there's part of me that was really put off by the the part we really haven't talked about is um, Rhonda Coleman is trying to get this beer called Moonshot into different breweries and, and into gimmick- different into different um, bars and 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 like liquor stores and restaurants. And, stuff and, like and the gimmick with Moonshot is that it's beer with caffeine in it. Yes. Um, and there, there was something like, I, I do understand what she's doing, but it does seem very gimmicky to me. It seems like it's just, oh, I'm going to make this product. And it seems like what she's doing, what she is making is what Anheuser-Busch would make to kind of mess with people like she's it seems like what she is doing is not making a craft brew but making what the big boys would consider like a craft brew gimmick Mm -hmm. and that's why i guess i'm i'm kind of put off by it it's also very awkward she calls it moonshot 69 um she she claims cuz she raised the caffeine to 69 that's not why that number's on there like don't don't <laughs> fool yourself she knows what she's doing she's trying to make it sexy but at the same time provocative yeah remember yeah, there there's so many things that I think go wrong with this and then um, and so she's trying to shove this down people's throats and I I get her ambition like I get that she is She is trying to make herself a name for herself. And she's trying to really get this into um, existence. But I think that this is the prime example of if a product is not good, it's not going to sell. Mm -hmm. And... um, So your negative is her. Yeah, my negative is just... her presence in this documentary. Yes, because I feel like that they're trying to... Whereas they're talking about all of these micro-brews that do really well and that are really good, we have one that... It's just not as good of a product, but, and, but maybe that needed and, to be a part of this. Like not not every not every micro like you just said, yeah. not everyone microbrews great. But I mean, they want us to feel sorry for her. Problem is, I, I, I it's hard for me to feel sorry for somebody who's just their product isn't as as good. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't put her moonshot on the same level as Dogfish Head. I wouldn't put her moonshot. Have on you th- tried it? No, I just the. Everything that goes with it makes me think that it's... You still like the gimmick. I don't like the gimmick. I don't like what it is. I don't like how she's hawking it. So, no. And actually, you can't try it anymore, sadly. Um, When a bunch of the controversy came out with the energy drink malt liquor stuff, the FDA cracked down on those. Um, Like, the Four Locos and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she was caught in the crackdown because that's they true. said no combining alcohol and caffeine in one drink. Which like, because that was her whole business model. Yeah. So that's pretty much so it. So she got kind of... She got caught up in... I don't know that her beer was the same thing as Four loco, right? Like, I think there was a lot more energy drink and a lot more really weird stuff and she kind of... She was pairing it to something else. Uh, I mean... But it kind of fell in the category, and that category got wiped out by the FDA. So that I do feel bad for her. I feel bad that the FDA kind of... Killed her business. Killed her business. But um, I just don't think it was that great of an idea, Yeah. quite frankly. Um, I'm not a big partier. I don't go out to the bars. Um the, the people that I do know that do the Red Bull vodka thing have said they've never had worse hangovers than after that, and, like, it's a terrible, like... Like, it it feels good at one point, but then it really, like, punches you in the face and makes you as sick as possible. And so I feel like that, that maybe doing... Away with Moonshot really saved a lot of people some very severe pain.
0: Did you see? Do you watch the? Do you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Did you see the episode where Tom Haverford makes a drink called like Snake Juice or something like that? And and it's it's like Kahlua and Red Bull. Oh god. And and he and they start selling it at this local bar, and everybody drinks it. And the next day, they're they're all like throwing up at work, and it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Right. So, to, I, to me, I feel like Tom, the Tom Haverford story
1: is, like, totally parodying Moonshine. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, I, I read some other articles on her, and, and not everybody in the beer world was near as taken with her as maybe Annette Barron was. Yeah. So, but yeah, she kind of rubbed me the wrong way, too. I, I, I don't know. I just, her personality and what she, and how she went about it and things like that were just... A little bit off-putting to me. Annette Barrett? Um, No, 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 no. Uh, Rhonda Coleman. Yeah. So, I I mean, that... I think I would have rather seen more time spent towards other successful micro-brews or good micro-brews um, than... But, I mean, I guess, you know, she did... She did exonify the struggle to get it from where she's making it to the consumer. Sure. I mean, she she fed that need, but other than that, she was a little bit annoying. Yeah. I, I'm i having a hard time coming
0: up with any negatives, other than it was just so blatantly skewed. Although, I, I don't even know that I care. Even as I'm watching it, I thought, this is really, really skewed against big business. But, but just because it's skewed doesn't mean it's not necessarily right. You that's know true. what I mean? And so, yeah, and, and because I'm, uh, again... I, I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of local business, and you know I think local breweries are an awesome, you know, an awesome thing in existence. So I, I was I was in support of the skew. I, I guess yeah, I, I guess I, I would have just liked to have heard more about. Other other brewer, brewers that maybe are more successful but are still considered to be microbrews like a Shiner yeah. or or something like that. So and that's that's a that's a really
1: mild negative. Mm-hmm. I really
0: liked this documentary.
1: I, I had a lot of fun with it. So Dude, let's rate. I loved it the very first time I watched it. I thought it was unbelievably fascinating. Each time I, I watch it again, I kind of I kind of poke a little hole. And so um, my initial rating would probably have been a little bit higher, but um, I don't think it's quite as important of a film as Food Inc. because I don't think the the beer industry and the food industry are are different. Like you don't have to have beer; you have to eat. Um, your your health is you know the health risk affected with your beer and not necessarily with your food. Um, but I, I think I'm going to give it a seven. That's a good way it. A seven. I liked it. It was entertaining. It, it was entertaining, and it was. Very informative to me.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight and a half because I mean, even though, like you said, it's not as important as food ink. I I appreciate the art side of it. Yeah. Like that, the, there is an art to crafting these things. And local business people, when they're really good at what they do, they see what they do as an art. And I appreciate that it showed that specifically with Dogfish Head. So, um, so yeah, eight and a half is my rating. Very good. Well, next time we're going to talk about Man on Wire. Yeah. Which I'm I've always wanted to see. It's one of those that it's been on my list forever. I have not yet watched it. So, next time we talk, I will have watched
1: it. Very excited about that. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. See you next week.